0: This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland.
1: Good evening and welcome to our January 14, 2019 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right,
2: Selena, would you please call roll? Mayor Here. Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm? Here. Councilman Wasbinski. Here. Councilman Hall? Here. Councilman Arnaski? Okay,
1: thank you. Is there anyone on council who has a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on to the Consent Agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council member so, dis- so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the Consent Agenda as indicated. If there's even a single request the item will be removed from the Consent Agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence in regular fashion. Can we have a motion to approve the Consent Agenda?
0: So moved. Second
1: any discussion? Council, anything you'd like removed? Any item from the public removed? Seeing none, then all in favor, please say aye. Aye. aye opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. Well, we have quite a few um, public hearings this evening. We have four, so let's just talk about our process before we start. Um, each item will be introduced by a staff member, and once the staff member is um, finished, with the presentation, then we will um, um, ask questions. Council will ask any questions that they have at that point in time. Um, after that, then we will open the public hearing. And at that point, the petitioner has an opportunity to um, s- state anything they would like to state. Then if there's thing in favor, we'll ask those who are in favor, we'll ask those opposed. If there's any opposition, we'll ask the, give the petitioner an item, uh, an opportunity to um, rebut at that point, we'll close the public hearing and then it is our opportunity to discuss. So with that, we'll move to item three and it has to do with, with bonds for um, Great Lakes Senior Living Communities and Dave Keenan is here to introduce
3: that to us. Good evening, Madam Mayor, members of council. Uh, this situation is uh, it's, <coughs> it's new, at least recently to the city, certainly new to me, uh, so I'm not going to profess to be the expert and the know all and I'm going to push introducing the item to the limit Um, We actually have Eric McLaughlin who is from Dickson Wright. He represents Great Lakes Senior Living Communities. Uh, Also here is Andrew Kilbride, uh, who represents the management company for the existing facility and will continue to be the management company after after the uh, transaction takes place. So um, without any further ado, Eric has put together a series of slides that he's gonna use to walk you through the subject matter and is available for questions. So are you going first, Eric? Sure.
4: Good evening, Madam Mayor, members of the council. Thanks for having me here. My name is Eric McLaughlin. As Dave said, I'm a partner with the law firm Dickinson-Wright and a member of its municipal finance group. Uh, So hopefully I can answer your questions tonight about uh, why I'm here. (laughs) Uh, My my client, Great Lakes uh, Senior Living Communities, is acquiring several facilities, six of them in Michigan, two of them in Ohio. Uh, The six facilities in Michigan are located in Midland, Grand Ledge, Plymouth, uh, White Lake, Oxford, and Bear Creek. Uh, the one here in Midland has 115 units and it provides independent living services, assisted living services, and memory care services. Uh, it was, uh, the, the LLC itself is a 501c3. It was formed to acquire and operate senior care facilities um, across the country. Um, the plan of finance that has been developed so far involves the issuance of up to $400 million of tax-exempt, Qualified 501c3 bonds by the Arizona Industrial Development Authority. That's an uh, industrial development authority formed under the law of state of Arizona with multi-stage um, authority to issue bonds. Uh, Forty-four million eight hundred thousand dollars of the bonds will be allocated to purchase the Midland facility. No new construction is expected. The, uh, the thought is that the residents won't notice any change. The facility will stay the same, the care will stay the same. So that brings us to why I'm here tonight. Uh, Because these are going to be tax-exempt, qualified 501C3 bonds, uh, the tax code requires that we get the approval of both the issuer, in this case the Arizona Industrial Development Authority, and the host jurisdiction, which is the City of Midland, the City Council. Um, The issuer approved the issuance of the bonds on December 19th. They adopted a resolution authorizing the bond setting the parameters for the issuance. Uh, and so tonight you'll be asked at the end of this presentation, at the end of the public hearing, to approve the issuance of the bonds. Um, public notice was given as required under the tax code. Uh, it was published in the Midland Daily News on December 21st. More than the, more than the required time has run, so we're okay there. Uh, the scope of the approval, if the City Council chooses to give it tonight, uh, is to uh, allow the issuance of bonds and allow the, the financing to occur on a tax-exempt basis. It doesn't obligate the city to pay any portion of the debt service it doesn't pledge the security any security for the bonds doesn't pledge the city's full faith and credit Uh, great lakes will be solely responsible for all the repayment of the debt there's no hit to the city's debt limit either Um, and also the approval of the bonds does not constitute any finding of the council as to the industrial development authorities or great lakes compliance with law in connection with the bonds or its operations of 501c3 Going forward, as I said, there isn't going, there is no expected change in the facilities or the resident care. Great Lakes uh, is going to own Independence Village of Midland, uh, and uh, we have a uh, representative from the uh, current management company who is expected to remain on as the management company after the acquisition. Any questions?
1: Any questions from council?
5: Yes, I have a question. I, I'm trying to grapple with what the purpose of coming to Council for this approval is. I know you've kind of described what it doesn't obligate us to do, but, you know, businesses are bought and sold and traded, you know, in the community here, and they're not, they don't come before us. These aren't bonds that the city has issued or even the county, frankly. And so do you understand or can you explain to me what the purpose, why, what are we approving? You know, we don't obviously know anything about the acquiring company or the issuance of the bonds or the terms. So help me understand when I say I approve. What is it I'm approving? Sure.
4: So, um, so if you think about it in terms of the governmental context, when the city of Midland issues bonds, uh, there there are presentations, there are staff meetings. They explain what the project is going to be. The project is is going to be financed. Uh, The council has opportunity to put in to provide input, uh, raise objections to any the scope of any financing. This is a private activity bond, so the City Council isn't involved in, in, in almost any of the, the financing. So you have no opportunity to provide that input, except for the tax code establishes that if there are going to be taxes and bonds issued where the proceeds are going to be spent in your jurisdiction, they give you the opportunity to hold this public hearing and voice any support, raise any concerns, uh, allow the residents to do the same thing. So once that has occurred, you can take all that information and make a decision as to whether or not you want to approve the issuance of the bonds. It's simply to bring the local host jurisdiction into the process, so that you know what's going on in your, your jurisdiction.
0: And if we didn't approve it, then you wouldn't be able to proceed with this purchase
4: on a tax exempt basis. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know whether or not uh, the Great Lakes would proceed with the financing on a taxable basis. Mm-hmm. But if the approval for the for the tax exempt bonds wasn't given tonight, theoretically, they could proceed on a taxable basis and continue on with the financing. But the cost would be much higher. There's a difference in interest rate and it'd be much more expensive.
3: Yeah, if I understand correctly,
6: basically the city council is just being used as a venue for a public hearing.
3: Essentially.
5: Yeah, but that gets back, I'm okay with that, but it's the approval part. You know, if somebody's asking me to approve it, I I really wanna know, you know, in this case, I have no real basis. I'm not reviewing anything. I'm not looking at it saying, yes, that looks consistent or, you know, it's, if it's an opportunity for public hearing, that's that's fine. I just am struggling with the approval wording.
4: It's simply a requirement of the tax code. And mm-hmm. once you've heard what your residents have to say about the about the project, um, you can make a decision as to uh, whether you approve of the project or don't approve of the project. But as I said, you're not approving the actual issuance of bonds uh, as that's already been done by the issuer. They've already set the parameters. You have no responsibility for the parameters of the bonds. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you have responsibility for hearing the concerns of the jurisdiction that's all
7: okay
5: and mr kilbride going to talk about the management and you're going sure. to come up in a minute we
7: can do? answer any questions that you all have yeah sure
5: okay
1: sure. Good. any other questions you're going to
7: be good
0: neighbors
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that's I, is, I this think is the question for this person <laughs> yeah. sure, sure. all right we, we, we sure. Got,
7: sure. got the yeah. legal yeah. part out yeah, <laughs> Let's get the, uh, yeah it, is, it is confusing this is the second uh meeting that i've been to and it's it is a little confusing uh but, uh, but really it gets to um, our, our residents and our employees. Um, you know, we, we think about it, we have 2,300 employees that care for, you know, my parents, uh, grandparents, and, and residents of Independence Village uh, and StoryPoint. Those are the two companies that we, that we have and we manage uh, today, 18 communities um, in the Midwest. And so um, today, uh, Well Tower, which is another company that already owns Independence Village, is selling to a 501c3. Um, we're partners with Welltower, and one of the things that we were concerned about was the, the residents. And so um, we made sure that w- at least that we tried to have a voice in this transaction. And when we were introduced to Great Lakes as a 501c3, their mission uh, is to uh, serve seniors in the United States, and we thought that was really important. So while the, uh, the mechanics of the transaction are a little bit clunky, and, and uh, I mm-hmm. totally understand your. Uh, your your questions about the uh, the approval process, um, we just think it's really important that uh, there's no disruption for for the residents or the employees who are also residents of Midland, uh, most of them. So um, we we think that Great Lakes fulfills that, um, and uh, and so we hope the the, the approval is uh, is given and that we can proceed. And then, you know, uh, Senior Village Management, who is the manager um, here at, at Independence Village. Really, the, the employees and the residents don't really know this is happening. And, and not that we're keeping it from them, but we'd like to just have them being taken care of and um, and will remain in place for the life of the bonds, which is the next 35 years. Um, so, um, but I'm so happy to jobs, answer.
0: All jobs are going to be retained? Absolutely.
7: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think Eric mentioned that there's no plans to expand or contract or will, the building will remain intact. and um, actually, some of the capital that's raised from the bond offering will go back into the building. Um, so we went through a three- or four-month process uh, study on uh, capital expenditures and capital investment, and this transaction allows us to do that, to upgrade technology, infrastructure. It doesn't need a lot here in Midland. It's, it's a very uh, good community. We've tried to maintain it, uh, but this transaction allows us to do that as well. It
1: is a good community. Yeah. got a great reputation. Oh. I think that's part of why um, that's, that's an important, it's important. Yeah. And so I I think it's also important to the neighbors in that area that it's well maintained. Yeah. Um, you know, no one wants a bad neighbor. Right. And so how long have you been, if you've been the product, um, the manager, uh, you know, like for how long has that, and do you have a contract for how long you're going to manage, manage it? Maybe that's a
7: yeah, so one of my partners Brian Stoy actually was part of the group that built Independence Village of Midland So we've been there from the beginning. Some of the employees have been there since it was built um, And we're a private company um, And one of the things like I said is we, we really care about our employees and the residents and we will remain private throughout this Transaction it really is taking place between the landlord and a new landlord mm-hmm. and we will remain in place as we have uh, Since it was built um, So for the life of the bonds, we will be there uh, we, we think we found a really good partner in Great Lakes. We, our last partner was very good and I think that will continue. We'll be able to provide, um, not only the services of the residents, and the employees, but also to, to be a good member of the community.
1: Any other questions?
5: Yeah, I think the, uh, some of your yeah. residents do know about the transaction. And so I've had a couple people contact me. So it's That's not right. as big we, a secret as it had it, it, to be published. Think. Right. It had, to, <laughs> it had to be published. Um, We're not keeping it a secret. Uh, and so do you know, yeah. do you know why is the. Why was, what, was, what prompted the sale?
7: Um, I think uh, Welltower, who's owned um, the building since 2010, they're a publicly traded REIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that um, the, the new management, some of their uh, folks want to move sort of to the coast a little bit. They're based in Toledo, but now they have offices in New York, um, and they might find some other opportunities for this capital, um, and, uh, which is fine. Uh, but like I said at the at the top, we really um, we're glad we were a part of the discussions with them. We remain a partner with them on other communities, mm-hmm. uh, but these uh, these eight they just identified that they wanted to uh, to proceed with this. Um, it's been a profitable uh, ownership for them for the last uh, going on ten years. Okay, thank Eight, you. eight years, excuse me.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Any other questions from council? <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. This is oh. All right, this is a public hearing. We'll open the public hearing. And was there anyone who'd like to speak on behalf of the petition? Is there anyone opposed to the petition? Okay, seeing none. We'll close the public hearing and Selena, would you please read the resolution?
2: This resolution provides local jurisdictional approval as required by section 147 F2A and B of the Internal Revenue Service Code of 1986 of the issuance of up to $400 million in tax-exempt private activity bonds to finance the acquisition of Independence Village Senior Living Centers which includes Independence Village of Midland by Great Lakes Senior Living Communities, LLC.
1: Can we have a motion to accept the
2: resolution?
0: So moved. Second.
1: Discussion.
5: I think the only thing that, um, is listening to Selena read the resolution, I wanted to, that wasn't captured in there specifically, was the, uh, the, 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 I don't know what you call it, a concession, if you will, that this will not be exempt for property tax purposes. You know, I think one of the things that we read in our materials is that this will continue to be a, a taxable. Uh, building an operation for property tax purposes, and that I mean to me, that's that's a big part of why I would consider approving it. Um, I just want to make sure that gets captured and is is clear that that's a condition that we are taking into account and in going forward, because that's certainly what we're being led to uh, to believe here.
8: You, right. Madam, right, Madam Mayor, okay. you, you may, may want to ask you that the applicant or. Dave's okay. probably not the one, but okay. before we put that into the resolution, because right. there may be some concerns with doing that. Okay. So Certainly it's attorney, understood.
1: But. Mr. Attorney, <laughs> whose last name I'm sorry, I can't remember McLaughlin. 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 Um, so could you please comment on the impact on the tax? Because tax takes it off the ta- If it's tax exempt, it takes it off the tax roll. Well, this will, will, can you sure. state yeah. really what that is? Uh,
4: Provident Resources Group, which is the 501c3 parent of Great Lakes senior living communities has provided a letter to the city indicating that it, that it or, an, or an affiliate won't seek exemption from property taxes, even though, under Michigan law, it may, one may or may not be available.
5: I think that was in the materials
8: that we mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that But was the question, my question is making sure that it's, it is, in fact, captured. Yeah, I think the question that I directed to the mayor that we're really asking is, Is there a does it complicate the resolution, or is there any reason they couldn't include that, just specifically referencing it in the resolution itself? Uh, there's, no I, there's no reason that I'm aware of that it couldn't be included in the resolution, no.
5: But, mm. Can I move uh, to amend the resolution okay. to add that criteria then?
1: Yes. So there's a motion. To, okay, so thank you very That's much. Okay. Thanks. Yep. So I move to include the yeah. statement.
5: Yep, I'll, I'll second that.
1: To the letter. Do you want the letter, the comments of the letter? Oh, I would prov- just
5: say that the, the, uh, the resolution and is contingent upon the letter provided by Provident.
8: Provident resources. Provident resources?
5: Uh Okay. (laughs) I think that would be sufficient.
1: So we have an amendment? I second that. Uh Okay. Second? All right then. So let's vote on the amendment. 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 Any discussion on that? All right then. All in favor of the amendment? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. So the amended motion is on the table. I know. I'm surprised that got I got this. it too. You got it. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so, um, the motion on the table. Any d- further discussion on that? No. All right, then ready to vote? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. That passes 5 0. Thank you very much. All right, that takes us um, down to item number four, which has to do with uh, street vacations. and. Mr. Marshall's here to tell us about that.
9: All right. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and good evening, members of Council. Uh, The discussion for this is the uh, street vacation of 3rd, 4th, and 5th Streets. Uh, To start off, I just want to talk a little bit about the process that's led us to this point. Uh, If you recall, back in the beginning of November, um, City Council did receive um, the petitioner's request of Fisher Sound and Gravel to um, have portions of 3rd, 4th, and 5th Street um, included for consideration for street vacation at that time there was discussion to include the northern part of 3rd Street and that was added to the motion and so what went from City Council that evening to City Departments and then ultimately City um, the Planning Commission uh, was the uh, the northern portion as well as the other portions of 3rd 4th and 5th Street so on December 11th um, City Planning Commission did receive uh, the recommendation by the City staff and at that time um, they did uh, recommend unanimous approval, and so back on December 17th, uh, this body actually passed a motion to um, set the public hearing for this evening, which was no less than four weeks um, from that last, last meeting. Um, this is the process that's outlined within the city's code of ordinances, and so uh, the reason for following this is, is because of that um, requirement in the code. So the applicant tonight um, is Fisher Sand and Gravel and the location is within the South Midland Redevelopment Plan area. It's surrounding former uh, railroad right of way and the proposal is to vacate uh, those portions of those three streets. Uh, The area that was requested by Fisher Sand and Gravel is what you see highlighted here in yellow on the screen um, portions of, um, streets that actually are, are public property underneath the operations of, of fish, sand, and gravel. Um, and from city records and, and other information we could pull, we believe that this situation has gone back as far as the 1950s. So, um, it's a relatively long uh, number of decades that they have been operating over top of what's actually formally, uh, or formerly, uh, street right of way. If you recall back, um, just to kind of see spatially, the addition of the northern part of Third Street, that's what you see highlighted here in orange, and so that takes it from the northern part of the railroad right of way um, up to uh, the south side of Carpenter Street. All of this, of course, is within the South Midland Redevelopment Plan area. And that is um, an area and a plan, project plan area that's, um, the city has participated in collaboration with Midland Tomorrow as well as the Economic Development Corporation of Midland County, uh, the Dow Chemical Company and Fisher Sand and Gravel as well as numerous other partners to really start to rethink how this area of the city is being uh, developed and to start to push it more towards um, uh, more high-tech industry and other types of mixed uses and away from more intensive and and dirty um, industrial uses. So with that, uh, city departments and staff uh, did conduct a review of this and uh, the engineering department noted the uh, existence of the 10-inch sanitary sewer line under the northern part of 3rd Street. Uh, The fire department and police department did not indicate any concerns. And to point out exactly what uh, we're speaking about, there is um, uh, now not really being utilized because there's no longer laterals that are serving this 10-inch, but it does exist still under, uh, under the street of 30s uh, that you can see here um, in the, uh, the green highlighted line. Of course, all of these at one time were uh, single-family homes. They were purchased by the Economic Development Corporation of Midland County. Um, and Midland Tomorrow, of course, staffs that, that corporation. And all of these, as part of their um, transactions, uh, did uh, have deed restrictions placed on them to not be used for single-family single residential in the future. So they still exist in, in their lots, as they're shown here on the image. Um, but are being prepared for redevelopment purposes. Um, Surrounding Third Street um, is all property owned by uh, the EDC except for this small piece here which is Front Edge beers Towing has, although they do not take access off of Third Street and so no access is proposed to change as part of the vacation. Continuing on with the city departmental review, there was no concerns identified by public services and the utility department did mention um, no impact to stormwater or water utilities, but again, that 10-inch sanitary sewer uh, within the Third Street right away. Um, some additional considerations that we usually take into account when reviewing street vacations are the community ve- benefits, and as I've talked about the redevelopment plan area and how this is an improved, um, enlarged area that can be prime and marketed for redevelopment purposes. Um, That's, of course, a community benefit for the future. Uh, Some questions we ask with um, with street vacations first being that uh, will properties be denied direct access? And no, um, all abutting properties would not see a change to their current um, access provisions. And lastly, would public services be impacted? And largely no, but uh, that 10-inch sanitary sewer line does need to be dealt with and properly abandoned. Is there any interest in maintaining uh, the, the streets, staff and planning commission the answer this to be no and that additional development is a, is a greater opportunity and an added value to the community. Is the vacation in the public interest? We'll be to answer this is yes and that in order to allow for larger area to be marketed for redevelopment opportunities on um, vacation of these streets are necessary. So with that, uh, the recommendation that came from Staff and Planning Commission is to approve the street vacation with the single contingency, and that would be that the existing 10-inch sanitary sewer line would be properly capped and abandoned uh, to the satisfaction of the City Utility and Engineering Departments. Looking back at the schedule, this began back in November, um, and tonight is the public hearing, and if you feel all questions have been adequately answered, um, you can render a decision this evening. And with that, Mayor, I'll answer any questions.
1: Okay, any questions Mr. Marshall?
0: So the capping of that line will be done by the city?
9: Yes, Okay. it's a fairly minor um, project that would take place and uh, would just dig down and, and cap and,
0: okay. and abandon.
1: Anything else for him? Okay, All
9: right, thank, thank you. The you applicant, applicant is here this evening and I can turn over to him.
1: Okay, so this is a public hearing. We'll open the public hearing. Is there any comments from the applicant? All right, or anyone? Who who wants to speak on behalf of the petition.
10: Good evening, I'm Uh, Brian Rush. I'm uh, the general counsel for the Fisher Companies uh, in both Mount Pleasant and Midland. uh, Just really quickly, the first thing I wanna say is uh, how great this process has been. Uh, Grant and the city departments have been wonderful to work with, uh, which goes without saying, but thank you for that. Uh, not much to this petition, uh, it, uh, as far as we're concerned, uh, it really was a culmination of a lot of talks with the economic development corporation and the Fisher sand and gravel company, uh, to vacate that property, to move our ready mix operations across town, uh, to another location in Midland, uh, to allow for the redevelopment, um, of this area, which is, which is a, a nice piece of property. Uh, I think there's some, uh, hopefully some good plans in the works, uh, but. I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys, that anybody may have, um, but uh, historically been used uh, over these streets, so. Um, any questions
1: um. for Mr. Rush? No.
10: Okay, we're set. Thank, Thank you.
1: you. Is there anyone who'd like to speak on behalf of the petition? Anyone opposed to the petition? Okay, seeing none. We'll close the public hearing, and Selena, would you please read that resolution?
2: This resolution approves a request to vacate portions of 3rd, 4th, and 5th Streets from East Pine Street to the former Railroad Right-of-Way, and the northern portion of 3rd Street from the former Railroad Right-of-Way to Carpenter Street.
1: Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution?
0: So mm-hmm. moved. Oh, second.
1: Great. We had a few motions, a few, a few <laughs> seconds there, Steven all right. Yeah. Um, so any discussion? this seems pretty straightforward
5: no I think in addition to making this property more more suitable for development I mean it, it gets an obligation of the city off of the out of the way too so which is a win-win all
1: right then ready to vote yes all right then all in favor please say aye aye, aye. aye. opposed all right that passes five0 okay that takes us to item number five which is zoning petition number 620 and again we see mr. Marshall
9: all right, thank you. So, this is uh, one of two zoning petitions this evening, and um, the first one being uh, the request of Richard Eby for property located at 104 and 110 Oakbrook Drive. Uh, the area that's subject to the zoning petition is just over 1.75 acres. Uh, currently, it's zoned RA1 single family residential, and it's proposed to be rezoned to OS office service. Taking a look at the location, you can see highlighted here in yellow, center part of the screen. It does have frontage along Jefferson as well as a larger frontage along Oak Brook Drive. Um, the location or the property right now is, is vacant. It does have some trees and grass on it, um, but it sits just to the north of Bickford Senior Living and just to the west of a single-family residential neighborhood that's actually still in Larkin Township. Uh, What you see here on the screen, this black line that zigzags its way through, is actually uh, the corporate limits between the City of Midland and Larkin Township uh, to the north. Zooming in on the site, you can see um, again as it was uh, shown in 2015 when the aerial was taken, it's it's largely the same out there now. Uh, One thing I do want to draw your attention to are the property lines. Uh, 110 Oak Brook is is actually um, this uh, uh, portion here from white line to yellow line and, and back. And then you have a second parcel uh, that's being proposed to be split zone um, that is going um, from here all the way over to the east. And so the subject area of the petition is what you see highlighted here in yellow and then it's the white lines that delineate the physical property. Taking a look at the current zoning map you do have um, the uh, single family residential zoning zoning in yellow which is um, not only the subject site but also property to the east and to the north. Across Jefferson Avenue is RC Regional Commercial, and to the south in the blue is OS Office Service. Uh, Just off to the southeast, you do have RB, which is Multifamily Residential Zoning. When looking at the uh, future land use map, and this was most recently updated (coughs) at the um, last parts of of 2018, you may recall that this was particularly a property that was of specific uh, consideration during that planning process and was changed from low density residential, which is what you see here in yellow, uh, to office service. And so um, we had known uh, that this uh, zoning petition was coming forward and so as part of the master planning process it was considered um, to change the future land use designation at that time. What uh, was largely discussed at that time, again, was uh, the way in which we use office service zoning and the future land use of office service and how we like that to buffer single family residential from more intensive commercial districts. And so the extension of this to Oak Brook um, at that time and, and today stands as really an extension of that buffering from single family to RC and potential future commercial development in that RC zoning district across Jefferson. The intent of the Office Service District is to accommodate administrative professional um, services and supporting retail uses um, in an environment that reflects high standards of site planning and landscape design. Um, It's the Office Service District that uh, uses that may serve a transition between, again, single-family residential and more intensive development. Uh, Some example permitted uses within Office Service include music studios, radio and broadcasting studios without broadcasting towers, Uh, medical dental clinics banks credit unions and professional offices and with that i'll move into our required review criteria that we take a look at for any zoning petition this is actually criteria that's established within the city's zoning ordinance and so as as part of every review we do go through these one by one um, which you did see within the staff report Uh, first one being is the proposed amendment consistent with the city's master plan Uh, both the staff and and the city planning commission have um, answered this to be yes that the city's master plan identifies the subject area for office service purposes will the amendment be in accordance with the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance would the answer to this is yes that the proposal is consistent with the desires of the master plan and therefore furthers the principles established by the zoning ordinance have conditions changed since the zoning ordinance was adopted that justifies the master plan amendment I believe the answer to this is yes and again point back to the master planning activities that took place last year and the change to the future land use designation of office service from low density residential. Will the amendment merely grant special privileges? I believe the answer to this is no. um, That with the recent update to the City's master plan, the area is now planned for office service development and the proposed zoning change is in line with the vision of that designation. Will the amendment result in unlawful exclusionary zoning? Believe the answer this is no, that the amendment would result in the extension of an existing office service zoning district, and this is a zoning district that's um, located frequently within the city. Will the amendment set an inappropriate precedent? believe the answer to this is no, because the changes to the master plan took place first that then provided the mandate to allow for the zoning ordinance change. Is the proposed zoning consistent with the surrounding zoning classifications of, of the surrounding land? I believe the answer to this is yes that the subject property is presently zoned um, RA1 single family residential and is proposed to be rezoned to office service, and that this is um, like zoning with properties to the south, and that it's a logical extension of this zoning district in line with the master plan. Is the proposed zoning consistent with the future land use designation of the city's land, of the surrounding land, and the city master plan? I the answer to this is yes, and that the updated plan supports uh, this area to be zoned for office service purposes. Could all requirements in the proposed zoning classification be complied with on the subject parcel? I believe the answer to this is yes, and that the subject area um, can meet all of the requirements of the OS Office Service District. And lastly, is the proposed zoning consistent with the trends in land development in the general vicinity of the property in question? I believe the answer to this is yes, and that development in this area. Um, has been focused in high density residential as well as office service development um, most recently and that additional office service development within this area is consistent and compatible with trends in land development. So with that uh, we have not received any public comments to date and the petition is being recommended for approval um, based off the following that was articulated within the staff report and tonight is the public hearing on this since the City Planning Commission did host their public hearing back on November 27th and did pass a unanimous recommendation for this request. Okay,
1: any questions
5: for Mr. Marshall? Grant, I've got a couple questions. Um, With respect to the the split of the parcel Mm -hmm. between office service and what is existing residential, is there any requirement of a physical uh, barrier or demarcation so that it's clear that where that line is in terms of the uh, the split between office service and residential
9: um so not a physical demarcation so what 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 will happen is um the petitioner actually had indicated uh, retaining um that eastern 80 feet and so the records that are within this file show that 80 feet being retained and so when we map it on the zoning the, f- the actual formal zoning map will include that 80 feet stretch um, but there won't be any type of physical requirement on the property to delineate where that line is. It'll simply be a matter of record within city's, um, city records. And
5: is, and is that that remaining existing parcel that's not being zoned as office service, will, is, that, is that large enough to even put a residential
9: property on? It is. Um, 80 feet is actually the minimum width um, that RA1 uh, uh, can have. And so in theory, they could move that uh, property line over and create its own individual prop- parcel and sell it for Um, single-family purposes and so it would meet the dimensional standards not only for width but also for area okay thank you
1: any other questions all right thank you very much so this is a public hearing we'll open the public hearing is there anyone who would like to speak on behalf of the petition
11: My name is uh, Patrick Panacek, 2525 Northeastman Road, Midland. I am one of the property owners of this subject property and have uh, worked with the city planning department in their skillful efforts over the last uh, several years, quite frankly, since the meeting in the box timeframe on this property and others. And we've also worked with the EB group for the last uh, uh, year and a half regarding this property and their desire to expand uh, Bickford Village (laughs) A Bickford uh, uh, complex to support some 60 memory care units so we've uh, contracted with them uh, which is their petition the family my family has provided the initial property 15 years ago for Bickford Village this we look at as an expansion to that we think this is a logical uh, extension Um, and I will say that I've attended all the meetings to include the meetings that were held by uh, the EB group with all the neighbors and 13 of the 14 neighbors are in support of this effort, the 14th being a corporate entity, had no comment. So I just want to share that.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, anyone else wanna speak on behalf of the petition? <coughs> Is there anyone opposed? All right, then seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. Selena, would you please read? resolution
2: this resolution will amend the city of midland zoning map by rezoning property located at 104 and 110 Oakbrook drive from ra1 single-family residential to os office service zoning
1: Can we have a motion to accept the resolution
0: so moved second
1: okay we have first and second discussion
0: um i intend to support it aligns with the master plan after the updates that have been made Um, haven't received any comments opposing and um, I feel like all involved the petitioner planning department have done their homework so support it
5: yeah I also agree I think it makes sense it's obviously that along Jefferson there that's an office service is a a nice transition Uh, you know I was a little bit concerned about the, the buffer I think hearing Grant's explanation and actually hearing what the intent of the property is going to be used for, uh, although that's not really part of the consideration I know uh, mm-hmm. formally, it, but it kind of makes a lot more sense even yet um, in terms of this development. So.
0: Yep. And usually when they go through the development, they will have buffers between, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming there will be something there at some point when they start well, development. It's a, if
5: it's a memory care facility, it's not going to create a lot of yeah. disruption.
8: I appreciate the developer talking with the, the, uh, the residents in that area and uh, full support that they're giving this also.
1: Any other discussion? All right, then. All in favor, please say aye.
8: Aye.
1: aye. aye. Opposed? Okay. That passes 5-0. All right, that takes us to item number six, zoning petition number 621. Mr.
6: Marshall. All right.
9: So this is uh, the request by Zerimber Group for property at 3401 James Savage. Area that's in question is just under 3 acres, 2.96 acres, and currently it's zoned IA Industrial A, which is the city's uh, lightest industrial zoning district, um, but being proposed for rezoning to RC Regional Commercial. Uh, Taking a look at the subject site, you can see highlighted here um, in the middle part of the image with the hashing, Um, James Savage runs on the south side of the parcel and Waldo is off to the west with the north side being uh, business route 10. When you take a a look at the site zooming in it largely looks the same as you see here in the um, aerial photograph with it being uh, primarily grass but with some trees um, and uh, drainage ditch that runs along uh, the streets on the north side as well. Taking a look at the zoning map um, it is IA Industrial in the center part um, of the screen, you can see uh, kind of the band of purple that runs east to west. And so, property to the north, south, east, and west is all IA industrial, um, but you do have regional commercial off to the southwest, as well as RA4, one and two family residential, and RD, uh, which is a um, mobile home designation um, zoning district uh, off to the southeast. To the north, you have LCMR, which is limited commercial manufacturing and research, as well as RB, a multifamily off to the north. When we take a look at the um, uh, future land use map within the city's master plan, you can see the colors change a little bit, um, but largely uh, this was another area that was discussed during the last um, update of the city's master plan and changed from the industrial, the light industrial uh, designation to the commercial designation, and so you had an extension of the commercial uh, from the Western side of Avenue or Waldo Avenue crossing over and then on the eastern side of Waldo to the north um, creating sort of a half of a commercial node um, at the intersection of Waldo and James Savage here. So if you recall the discussions during the master planning process um, this area again was, was considered and was ultimately changed for commercial purposes um, and away from the light industrial purposes. The regional commercial zoning district is the city's most intensive zoning district for commercial uses and um, with the hierarchy of that this is really uh, about market base and and how far the stretch of, of interest is of the commercial uses in that area. Um, Most of our regional commercial is on South Saginaw Road as well as out by uh, the Midland Mall on Eastman and and to the north. Um, But this is a zoning district that is intended to provide for commercial development that has a variety of uses um, that caters to the needs of not only city residents but residents within the region um, uh, of the surrounding area. Some sample uses of RC include um, vehicle dealerships, fuel and gas stations, hotels, motels, credit unions, offices, restaurants, retail sales as well. Going through each of the individual review criteria, um, like we did with the last one, the first one being is the proposed amendment consistent with the city's master plan, and you did see the the future land use map and the designation for that, so we believe the answer to this is yes. Uh, Will the amendment be in accordance with the intent and purposes of the zoning ordinance? We believe the answer to this is yes because it is furthering the desires of the master plan. Have conditions changed since the zoning ordinance was adopted that justifies the amendment? We believe the answer to this is yes and again point back to the master planning process that took place in the middle part of last year that changed the designation from light industrial to commercial. Will the amendment merely grant special privileges? We believe the answer to this is no. Um, Because it is a zoning district that's being um, established on a location that's being planned for commercial purposes, we believe that this is is, uh, not going to grant special privileges. And very similarly, we believe it's not going to result in unlawful exclusionary zoning because it is a a frequently used zoning district that's being established in an area plan for commercial purposes. Will it set an inappropriate uh, precedence? We believe the answer to this is no, again, because of the master planning process that took place and established the mandate there for commercial zoning on this property. Is the proposed zoning consistent with the surrounding zoning classification of the surrounding land? Uh, We believe the answer to this is yes um, because of the the correlation or the compatibility between IA Industrial and RC Regional Commercial and their ability to coexist next to each other. Is the proposed zoning consistent with the future land use designation of the surrounding land? We believe the answer to this is yes because of the extension of that commercial designation uh, surrounding the intersection of Waldo and James Savage. Could all requirements in the proposed zoning classification be complied with on the subject parcel? I believe the answer to this is yes, um, that the subject parcel does meet uh, the dimensional standards and we feel that um, the uh, other requirements could be complied with.
12: Could you go back to
1: eight more just
12: before that? Yeah, right there, from the bottom. And it's to the north, <coughs> okay. Park, Park League, Parks and Rec, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to see that again, thanks.
9: And then lastly, is the proposed zoning consistent with trends in land development in the general vicinity of the property in question? Um, We believe the answer to this is yes, and we point to um, most recent development there being the labor union facility (coughs) that sits to the southeast. That was developed back in 2004. Um, But there's also been additional uh, redevelopment of the building immediately to the southwest um, and the location of the Corteva offices and the renovations of that building that have taken place over the last few years. We believe that that is consistent and compatible with uh, the proposed RC Zoning District. With that, we have not received any public comments um, either ahead of the public hearing hosted by Planning Commission um, or to date. And with that, both staff and the City Planning Commission are recommending approval um, based off the item, uh, the uh, comments um, articulated within the staff report pointing to the zoning amendment being compatible with the future land use map, Um, the extension, or not extension, but the establishment of a regional commercial zoning district in an area planned for commercial purposes. And with that, the public hearing was also held back um, by the Planning Commission on November 27th, um, and then this body set the public hearing for this evening back on December 3rd. And with that, Mayor, I'll entertain any questions.
1: Okay, any questions? Right. Okay, Great. Right. thank you. Seeing thank there's you. no questions, we'll open the public hearing. Is there anyone who would like to speak on behalf of the petition?
6: Good evening. My name is Mike McPherson. I'm with Atwill. Excuse me. I'm a civil engineering consultant for Zerma Group. And um, just wanted to uh, basically... Uh, um, come up and uh, introduce myself and, and, you know, give some accolades to Grant and his presentations for all these meetings because he does a very thorough job. And um, we feel that the, uh, the request is, is consistent with the city's vision for the site. And um, if the, uh, the council has any um, questions tonight uh, regarding the project, I'm here and happy to answer them.
1: Okay. Is there any questions that council has petitioner? Okay, thank you very thank much. You. Anyone else like to speak on behalf of the petition? Anyone opposed? All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. And Selena, would you please read this resolution?
2: This action will amend the City of Midland zoning map by rezoning property located at 3401 James Savage Road from I1 IA Industrial A to RC Regional Commercial Zoning.
1: All right, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Second motion a second discussion
0: pretty straightforward aligns with the master plan mm-hmm. after the updates so. yes.
1: okay. anything else all right then let's vote all in favor please say aye. aye aye opposed okay that passes 5-0 all right that moves us on to public comment this is an opportunity for people to address council on issues that are relevant to council business but not on the agenda is there any public comment this evening Okay, then seeing none, we'll continue um, to item number seven, which has to do with recreation fees. And Ms. Murphy's here to tell us about that.
13: Thank you, Mayor Donker. Um, each fall, the Parks and Recreation Commission undergoes a process to review uh, all the fees that are charged for recreation and park events. Um, so, as per the normal process in September, the Parks Commission reviewed the f- recreation fee philosophy, which we'll touch on a little bit tonight. Um, they also reviewed the proposed fees from the staff at the November meeting, they held a public hearing in December, and then they also met jointly with the City Council to discuss the fee proposals in December as well. So tonight I have the first reading of the General Recreation Fee Ordinance that has the proposed fee changes as follows. Um, our area of competitive sports, our fee philosophy here, is to recover all costs associated with adult sports and only the programming fees for youth sports. So for the youth sports, we don't um, aim to recover like field maintenance fees or, or um, pool capital fees, that type of thing. So the proposals here are to increase the adult and youth softball fees by a dollar per player. So as you can see, everything would go up by a dollar across the board. These fees haven't been increased in a few years, so we feel it's, it's time to make a couple incremental increases. In our areas of facilities and equipment use, the goal here on our fee philosophy is to recover the costs associated with the labor to set up the facilities and then to deliver and pick up equipment. Um, Under the city forest fees, we would like to add a fee for snowshoe rental. We have a small fleet of snowshoes that have gotten zero use this year, as you can imagine. (laughs) Um, But we would like to put those officially on the fee schedule at $10 for a two hour rental. We'd also like to increase our chalet rental by $5 per hour simply to keep up with the increasing cost and minimum wage and the staffing that we use out there to clean the chalet. Some other city forest fees. Um, last winter, we had a lot of requests for people that wanted to use the chalet during non-operational dates. So Monday through <coughs> Thursday, the chalet is closed to the public. Um, Friday through Sunday, we open it to the public. So on those non-operational dates, We tried out um, a few packages and they turned out to be pretty popular. Um, So we'd like to add those officially to our fee structure. One would be reservation of just the warming house. So you could do sledding and you would have use of the warming house. That would be at $150 for 2 hours, $75 for each additional hour. These costs are based on the staff that we would have to have present to open the facility and keep um, keep everything in check. Uh, The second package would be a winter fun package, which again would be the chalet or the warming house, and then sleds, skis, and skate rentals included. That would be $250 for two hours and $100 for each additional hour. And then the grand finale would be the toboggan adventure where you would get everything that's listed above plus toboggan rentals. And that would be $350 for two hours and $150 for each additional hour. This would be for up to 25 guests. And then a $100 cleaning fee would be charged if necessary. We did have one group take advantage of the chalet last year and not clean it for us. So that's what that would be for. Under community stage rental, we're again looking to increase our cost a little bit here to keep up with the increase in labor costs over the last few years. Um, Nothing major, just $25 across the board increase in the various rental tiers that we have. Tournament fees, Um, this is for private softball tournaments that rent our fields. Something we'd like to add this year is a non-refundable field deposit. We have some tournament folks that get really excited about their tournament, they book the fields, and then two days before the tournament, they call and say we couldn't get enough teams, and they're off the hook scot-free, whereas we may have put some effort into reserving those fields for them. So we'd like them to have a little bit of skin in the game, so we're asking for a $50 deposit for tournaments with one to 25 teams and $100 non-refundable deposit for tournaments with over 26 teams. And then for the rentals, you can see there's a two hour, a four hour and a full day field rental. We'd like to bump each of those by $5 uh, per field. And again, this just helps to cover some increases in our labor costs. Our regular grooming, again, it's labor intensive. Um, We wanna increase that by $5 per groom. And then we wanna add an option Typical grooming involves bringing out the little infield tractor and running it around the infield. It takes a little bit um, longer than some tournaments uh, directors like, so we are going to add an option to just rake and chalk the field, which would just be a couple of staff members raking out the base paths in the uh, batter's box and then re-chalking the lines, and that would be just $10 per game. It's, not only is it cheaper, but it's a lot quicker than bringing out the, the grooming tractor. And then we'd like to remove the fee that's currently set for diamond dust. Diamond dust is a material that we put on the fields when it rains so that we can get back to play quicker. It's kind of like a quick dry agent. That product we've been charging out at market rate. So even though our our current rate, I believe says $12 per bag, last year we were charging it at whatever we paid for it. So if it's $14 a bag this season, that's what we charge. If it's $13 next year, we just charge that rate. So we just want to strike that from the fee so we can continue charging it as an inventory item. So as I mentioned, the public hearing was held at the December Parks and Recreation Commission meeting. There were no public members present, so there were no public comments offered. Uh, the Parks Commission then recommended the fees to City Council at their joint meeting in December. And this evening, the ordinance is presented for first reading, and then I will be back in on G- January 28th meeting to present it for a second reading and consideration of adoption.
1: Any questions, Ms. Murphy? Great, thank, thank you. you. Any comments from the public? I'd right, see none, then Selena, would you please read the resolution?
2: This action gives first reading to an ordinance to amend fees for various recreational offerings.
1: Can we have a motion to accept the resolution?
7: So moved.
14: Second. second.
1: First and second, any discussion on this? Pretty clear. Yep. All right. <laughs> all in favor then, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. That takes us down now to item number eight, which has to do with our uh, audit report. Mr. Keenan.
3: Hello again. Um, So at the conclusion of the presentation, there's a, a resolution for council, that would receive and file the comprehensive annual financial report or CAFR and the single audit. And uh, being in the finance department and not the fire department, we don't have the cool props like f- fire trucks. So um, this this is our comprehensive annual financial report. It's cool. Very cool. Uh, and then this is the single audit. I have one more, one more that I'll show you momentarily. So we have the audit because essentially the, the city charter says that we shall have it. The uh, state of Michigan says that we shall have it. And, be, and because we have a... A Fairly large amount of federal revenue that we currently aren't getting today um, Hopefully someday uh, we have to have a single audit Uh, The auditors who report to council present an independent report and the opinion on there is something they express And it's an unmodified opinion, which is really what you want. That is a, a clean opinion basically indicates that the Statements present fairly the financial position and changes related to that and in a conformity to the principles uh, accepted in the U.S. of A. So our audit from last year was an award-winning report, wait for it, and so because that we get a a certificate and we've received this 29 years in a row, um, 35 out of the last 36. And the, or the report that's before you tonight, we have already submitted it to the GFOA um, for peer review to see if we can achieve the same kind of rating. So um, David Youngstrom is here from Yo and Yo to present the uh, report to you. He's gonna use a series of graphs. And before I turn it over to him, I would just like to personally thank Dan Bragg, Smirton. Uh, who's the controller for the city, as well as Tiffany Eddy, who's the assistant controller. The two of them put in countless hours um, getting us through year-end and getting us ready for budget and all kinds of good stuff. So uh, they do all the heavy lifting when it comes to getting us ready for this, as well as the other members of their department. So I know I said questions from Council, but you really want to hold those until Dave gets up here because he's going to be the person with all the answers. Um, So I'm going to step down let Dave come up. And again, when that's all done, there's a resolution before you that would receive and file this report. Okay. So, David Youngstrom. Thank
7: you.
6: Thanks. Madam Mayor, City Council, on behalf of you you, I'm glad to be here to present your June 30th, 2018 audit report. Um, as David alluded to, a lot of things there we talked about, um, what I'll talk about tonight, kind of more, more in the details of that stuff. And one of the things I want to talk about first is some of the things that maybe aren't in the presentation. You alluded to the single audit we're doing with the federal compliance audit. We did, it, we did a complete a single audit this year. Um, it was recorded, over we had over 800 just around $800,000 of federal awards. Uh, we spent those, we tested the federal transit cluster, and we had no findings or question costs. So that's what you want to look at there. So it's a, a clean, single audit report. Uh, the IT, can we look over the internal controls of the organization. We kind of keep it fresh every year, look at some different things as we kind of go through the process. And just, I'll touch on a couple of things every year. Uh, We look at tax disbursements this year. We collect the taxes and disperse them out. We look at some of those and see how those are handled, making sure they're being reported to the correct entities, just something different that we've looked at in past years. We look at journal entries every year just to see if they're unusual entries. We look for round numbers, entries on weekends, recurring entries, things like that. A uh, new test we did this year, we did a new hire test to make sure, again, looking for fictitious or ghost employees, and we tested uh, several employees and traced all their information back to their personnel records to make sure it was properly set up and a, r- a real legitimate employee. Um, we did a lot of retirement plan testing this year. We have a new standard we implemented. We did some testing around the other post-employment health insurance benefits, um, and we did some water and w- wastewater billing testing. It was a little bit different than we've done in the past, and that's just some of the things we do and we kind of evaluate the internal controls and you have a very strong internal control system and we have no material weaknesses in controls, no significant deficiencies in controls and this year we don't have any management comments which are really opportunities to strengthen those controls. So really- Are really. Pay you for that? I know, <laughs> I know. Um, we did have a comment a year ago um, related to the grant guidance, the new grant guidance and getting the procedures in place and those are all implemented. So that was implemented and put in place this year. So when you get a management comment, which we have you know, one or two every year typically, but this year's clean, um, You know, you look to see how it's handled and it's handled correctly and it's been addressed and that's what you want to see from that. Um, We are implementing a new GASB GASB standard, Government Accounting Standard Number 75, I know you've probably heard a lot about it, we talked about it last year as well, the Post-Employment Health Benefits, Um, that number is about $45.3 million this year, so it's a big number. Uh, We did the pensions three years ago and I'll talk about that as we kind of go through the slides. Um, I would also like to thank Dave, Deanne, and Tiffany for all their help, as well as the staff of the whole city. Um, it's, a, it's a crunch to get it done. We're always trying to get it done before Christmas so we can be here to present to you in January to get to start the year off right, as I like to say. But um, without their help and getting that, we wouldn't be here tonight. So, um, On the financial statements, Dave alluded to it, we're issuing an unmodified opinion. It is the highest level we can give on a financial statement it is a clean audit, and that's what you're looking for from us. So I'll dive into the numbers.
5: Sure. Get you to repeat something you said. Absolutely. Uh, the single audit is one just for federal grants that we've received, yep. and so I guess you said there's about eight hundred thousand dollars in yep. federal grants we received over the past year.
6: Over the last yeah, year. Okay, so you months. just look
5: at all the entries related to those expenditures.
6: Yeah, we test a program within those. Typically, And this year, we tested the DART program or the Federal uh, Transit Cluster. Uh, that's your biggest program within that. I think it's a little over half a million dollars of that those dollars. So we tested that for all the compliance requirements and didn't come up with any issues there. Okay. Thank you. the first slide is our net position it's our governmental activities it includes all the activities we do in the governmental side so general fund streets and uh, downtown development authority cemetery operations you see the bigger ones listed there and I'll just kinda talk about a couple of things that were kinda big this year Um, if you look at the net investment in capital was up about 6.3 million dollars which that's our fixed assets less our depreciation on those and you'll see the highways and streets is down about 7.6 and that's really a timing difference there you can see in 2017 that number jumped up to 19 million dollars and we spent that down this year we're getting the two mills from the countywide dollars coming into that dollars and we finished up main street project this year which was really the big bulk of that so it's really a shift from one category to the next in in our net position and that's really the, the biggest change we have there um you look at unrestricted deficit you can see in in uh, 2015 where it jumped from 8.7 million as a positive second line from the bottom in the blue to a deficit, that's where we implemented the pension standard this year. And I still leave that note on here because that's where it dramatically changed. Um, so we picked up all our pension obligation in our governmental funds. And this year, you can see it jumped up another 21 million to 62 million. And in this these governmental funds, that amount is about $36 million of OPEB, or Post-Employment Health Benefits. So without that, you would have about a $15 million increase to the good. So pulling that number in, I just want to make sure you understand that. That's a big number. We'll talk a lot about the, the legacy costs we have and some of that stuff when we get to the end of the presentation. I've got some slides on that, too. But the impact of that is shown right here, and it's just important to understand that. Our expenditures, our expenses on the governmental side, pretty much decreased across the board. Really, some of the savings we had in our pension and plans, and especially in our public safety area, you'll notice that dropping quite a bit from $19.2 million to 15.6. Um, we had some good returns in the market in twelve thirty-one seventeen. Um we don't anticipate that for twelve thirty-one eighteen. that's not been good. So uh, chuckling over there, but going out on a limb, there. Going out on a limb, right? <laughs> so again, that's gonna have some impact on that. Uh, we've implemented sixty eight and the news has been pretty much good since we've done that four years ago. Well, now we've got our first little downtick. We had one year it was kind of break even, but the rest this is our first downtick, and that's gonna have an impact for a number of years on that. Um the other thing on public works, you'll notice here, there was a little bit of an increase. We did have some cost of the flood, and I'll talk about that, that we had uh, last year. So that's in this number as well. Jumping into our general fund, which is our major operating fund, our total revenues and transfers was up just about 0.7 percent. So basically flat over year over year. And you can see the property taxes and your governmental charges are very consistent. Um, We noticed that other is up a little bit this year, and I don't usually talk about other, but we did get some interest income this year, which again, we haven't had interest income in a while. interest rates are going up a little bit, so we did get some additional dollars in there. Looking at the expenditure side, again, pretty flat up about 1.3% in total. Um, And again, mostly, if you look at the public safety area, uh, mostly police and fire, mostly police really, healthcare, uh, retiree healthcare costs, jumping in there, and you'll notice some overtime in public works and sanitation, which were again also associated with the flood, Um, we've had a little bit of decrease in general government savings there, and then I guess the one thing I'll point out under operating transfers out, we did have a golf course transfer reduction which was in there, that's about $290,000 decrease which was planned and then part of the budget and we did not make that transfer so you see that drop a little bit there. So again, consistent with what we planned, and you get a lot of that this year. Very consistent, very, uh, from my perspective, very stable um and really really good 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 job on the uh managing the, the whole process general fund great trend here uh you can see that jumping up at you yeah, the red or i'll start with the blue the blues are encumbrances which are things that are occurred at the end of the year that we're going to pay for next year uh that's in the blue pretty consistent from one year to the next the red is our committed dollars amount which is our budget stabilization as well as the amount set aside for the 1819 budget um, what you have in the unassigned number is a nice increase there, a little bit more than anticipated, which again, I think that some of the talk was to use that money for the nineteen twenty budget going forward. So uh, a couple million dollars there that could be used for that. Again, nice the nice little problem to have is we kind of move in the right direction. Moving into our first of our enterprise funds, which is a full accrual fund. You can notice the blue area there, which is our unrestricted is down um, and again, about $4 million of that other post employment benefit is, is driving that number. Um, if you look at the unrestricted, it's down about 3.8. That OPEB number was $4 million. So that's pretty much the change in that. And then uh, net invested in capital is up about $2.1 million, which is really the amount of improvements over the amount of depreciation or use you have on those fixed assets and infrastructure. So that's a good positive trend, too. Operationally, the water fund. Very consistent on the revenue side. Again, we did have a slight increase, which was consistent with with our budgeted increase we had this year. And if you look at the operating expenses, almost to a fault. They're very consistent from one year over the next. Uh, 12.7 million of uh, revenues compared to 10.3 million of expenses. They're about the same margin there, too. So just a little bit upkeep in the expense, a little bit uptick in the revenue, but very consistent, very strong performing fund. Our wastewater fund. (coughs) Excuse me. Again, we picked up about 2.4 million of that pension or a, a post-employment health liability in this fund. And you can see we drove from a deficit of about 558. And we actually talked about this a year ago that you know again, we were moving in the right direction and we still are moving in the right direction, but we picked up 2.4 million. And if you look at the change, it was about 1.6. So without that OPEB, we'd be about 800,000 to the good and we'll, would have eliminated that deficit, which is what you wanna see. Our net investment capital upticked a little bit too, which is really nice as well. So overall, um, pretty stable year. Again, I'd like to see that deficit be move up a little bit, but it'll take time to do that. Looking at our operating uh, revenues. Whoops, that the wrong, I think. No. All right. Sorry about that. Moving in the wrong direction here. There we go. Winner. All right. Our revenue side just, again, ticked up just a little bit in 2018. Notice the big uptick in fifteen, which was a big ice. We had a big ice storm that year. It created a lot of revenue we had to get in from that. Um, you'll see that in the expenditure side that the money going out as well. Uh, slight decrease in operational costs, again, which is really some of the savings we had overall from the health care and retirement plan stuff. And then we, get in, we had a lot of maintenance costs alluded to that flood in the wastewater as well. Um, Total expenses and revenues very consistent from one year to the next. Again, increasing slightly, both in about similar amounts. So again, properly managed, doing a really good job in that area. Sent in the right direction. I'd like to look at the city overall and kind of compare it to some other cities. Um, Looking at how we, what our taxes to our citizens are, and what they pay as a pool. And you can see we're very close, uh, within two one-hundredths of a percent this year, Uh, same as about the same variance last year so very close compared to to the others that we look at and just always have to remember that we do not have an income tax where several of these do so on top of that so the city millage rate is very consistent another big important driver of revenues in our in our area is our tax base Um, we had some big changes to the law in the personal property tax area and you can see that in 2016 that's starting in 17 and narrowing some more Um, we'd love to see some more development drive that number back a little bit wider so we're not so reliant on the residents of this but working more on the non-residential but it's it's just it tells a really good story talking about our our pension funding um, we have two things this year two pension funds we have the general employees which is at 58.7 that's up 4% from a year ago and actually up seven and a half percent for two years our police and fire is up 4.5% this year, or 65 over two years. Definitely moving this in the right direction. Again, we talk about the market changes we have, and again, this is a long-term obligation. Um, we have a lot of things to deal with. It's nice that you're pushing it in the right direction. I mean, a lot of municipalities all over the state are facing similar issues, but again, this is just a component of what we do. Um, you know, we, we, we have to operate what we do, we provide for our citizens and we do all the things we should be doing to maintain our, our citizens, but we also want to make sure we're moving this in the right direction, which we've done a really good job being proactive on that. Uh, it takes a little time to, uh, to get that to happen, but again, like I said, if you look at, we'll look at the last page too, I have some more information on it, but moving up 7.5 and 6.5 percent over the last two years in both those is very good.
5: David, just out of curiosity, sure. you do it like you did with comparison of the city millage, do you do a comparison to other cities with respect to funded?
6: Pension status? I do not. We certainly could, though. I mean, that wouldn't be. Uh, they're, they're kind of all over the board, though. Um, there's a lot. There's some that are very proactive in it. And there's others that are very reactive to it. Um, the state law changed a couple years or year, two years ago now for some of the reporting requirements that they're having us submit to it. But, again, I think it, I, it depends on who you're looking at. Some have gotten separate millages for it, and they're, they're addressing it that way. Others have tried to increase operations. Others have done very little but move it forward. Okay. So I think it depends on the direction you have.
8: One of the other objections I've heard to do a comparisons like that is because it's not uh, a true comparator. You can't do an apples-to-apples and because of the different sizes, different numbers, um, all those different things as far as the workforce size. Yep. Um, I mean that, and it makes those comparisons more difficult. A like two-person pension, for instance, is much different than a 2,000-person pension. Or a pension that, that ends at a certain age or something is like that, that? Yep. accurate? That yeah, idea.
6: it's absolutely accurate. There's a lot of different variables that go into that you negotiate with your plans. Most of them are handled at MERS, but they're your plan and the plan document you've negotiated in place with many of these. Uh, groups is, is different than the others, so yeah. it's tough to do a comparison. Yeah, I just,
5: if you're doing it with the respect to the millage, i just, just asking whether you. Can.
7: Yep. Okay.
6: And now, as it relates to healthcare, again, another issue, another uh, area here. We're up to fifty-two percent. That was forty-four percent a year ago, and again, I think we've done a really good job of moving. We have more assets than we had a year ago. We measure this one every two years as a requirement, so we'll have another one as of two thousand eighteen moving forward. Um, and the, the thing that's challenging in this one, as opposed maybe to maybe the retirement plan, is the health care trend rate is so high. Um, the the health care costs are going up a lot more than wages are, per se. Um, yeah, there's some long-term obligations there and, and long-term issues. But when that health care trend is trending up, even though the market might be doing well, um, it's, a, it's a much higher than an inflationary rate that we're dealing with. Anywhere from 5 to 9% a lot of times you see in those plans.
0: And what percentage were we up here compared to last year?
6: Oh, you're up by 8%. Okay. That was 44% a year ago. So again, moving in the right direction. Um, the last slide I have, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of that stuff, but property, personal property tax. Again, I put it up here. We've been very fortunate we are getting those dollars. You saw the narrowing of the slide in there. Um, it's really subject to, to appropriation. Uh, we have a new governor. We have a lot of new legislators in there too. Um, how long are they going to continue that plan? Hopefully, they, comp- they keep their promises and move it forward. But uh, we're getting our dollars for that right now. And then we get a funding stream for aging infrastructure and replacement equipment. We did move in the right direction this year for our remaining lives. Um, it moved up a little bit this year from 51 to 51.3 for our governmental funds. Um, overall, uh, you know, again, we're doing okay. Uh, the roads is helping that, but the cost of a road today. Is a lot more than it cost the road was several years ago, uh, the cost on the costs that go in that. So it's historical cost less accumulated depreciation. We're facing rising healthcare costs. We talked a little bit about the trend rate and retirement benefits. Uh, I think again we've done a good job of making plan amendments and changing things to make it more favorable uh, that we can actually make some make some progress on these things and looking at those plans and making those changes. And to that end, our unfunded pension liability is down $10 million, and our unfunded post-employment health benefits are down $2 million. Again, still big numbers with big challenges, but again, we can't forget all the things we have to do outside of just the, the legacy costs. That's just a component of what the city does. And with that, I will take any questions you might have.
1: Any questions for
0: Dave? Okay, so I just want to check my numbers. <laughs> um, so if we go back to page 13, I know um, go unfunded under general employees retirement, we took that up seven percent, and then for police and fire, we took that up six percent. Let's
6: see, four percent and four and a half percent this oh. year, seven and a half over two years, and six and a half over two years. Okay. So that's kind of giving you kind of where you've yep. gone. It's not just a year in time, but over the last yep. two years, over you've, two years, four percent one year for the for the general employees and seven and a half over two, okay. and then four and a half and six and a half for okay. the uh, police and fire.
0: Thank you. Okay.
1: Any other questions for Dave? Thank you very much. You know, it's nice that we get a great report like that, so we appreciate the work that you and your firm does, and we do appreciate our staff's work that they no, do on that. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Any comments from the public? All right, then seeing none, Selena, would you please read the resolution?
2: This resolution receives and files for public examination the comprehensive annual financial report and the single audit report for the city of Midland for the year ended June 30th, 2018.
1: <coughs> we have a motion to accept the resolution. So
6: moved. Second. Second. Okay, no. first second. Go ahead.
1: Any discussion on this?
5: No. Thanks for a good presentation and the uh, feedback on Dave and his staff's uh, excellent cooperation and work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you. All right, then, ready to vote? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes. 5-0. All right, that takes us down now to item number 8, which has to do with a follow-up report for the Inman Drain, and Mr. Silva is here to tell us about that. <laughs> item 9. Sorry. <laughs> we did finish item 8. We're on item number 9.
14: Good evening uh, Mayor, City Council. Uh, This evening I am following up on the Inman slash state drain exclusion from the 2018 storm and sanitary sewer study that was uh, completed this past fall. Uh, In October I reported uh, to City Council staff recommendations of the 2018 storm and sanitary sewer study. Uh, During the discussion of the storm sewer recommendations, the question asked was why why the Inman State drain uh, was not specifically addressed in the sewer study. Uh, I believe the premise for the question was that many homes were negatively impacted during the 2017 rain and flooding event along that drain, uh, including uh, homes between Perrin Road and Dublin, Uh, Stony Creek, Haskin, Moreland, Partridge, Oak Ridge, and there were uh, one house each on Warbler's Way and Piper Court that were uh, affected by the uh, drain. And here's just a a quick uh, map of of where these uh, homes were affected. Uh, As you see, Stony Creek had uh, 12 of the 42 homes uh, that were primarily uh, wet from the, the drain itself. Some of these homes also um, had a sewer backup from the sanitary sewer system. Uh, In addition, it was asserted that an evaluation of the Inman uh, state drain should be made a priority uh, in line with the high priority given to the Sturgeon Creek uh, in the study. Uh, The perceived cause of the flooding in that area was due to the undersized culverts at Dublin Avenue, Perrin Road, and blockages of the culvert at North Saginaw. Uh, further discussion revealed a sentiment that the city's 10-year level of service for storm sewer systems may not be adequate for the imminent state drain. Uh, a level of service is defined as the ability for a sewer system to adequately manage uh, wet weather flows without causing harm to private property and the public well-being. The city's current pos- policy is to provide a 10-year level of service for storm, w- storm sewer systems. Uh, the Intamin State drain may have deficiencies, uh, just as other cree- drains or creeks, uh, but it is believed that the, the drain meets the 10-year level of service standard and therefore did not warrant a high priority needing immediate action. Uh, and I want to make note, and I, I may have, I've may said this to uh, several residents in that area, that excluding any reference to the, the drain specifically in the sewer study or in the staff recommendations does not in any way Uh, discount or indicate that the areas affected by high water elevations of the drain are any less important to city staff. Uh, It is a matter of priority uh, of what activities would most um, be most impactful to keep sanitary sewer out of basements and I believe that was one of the uh, primary um, issues going forward is that we wanted to make a priority of keeping sewer out of basements. Addressing the Inman state drain now would be inconsistent with the overall city approach and Initial priority of raising the entire system to a 10-year level of service and this area is not being ignored Uh, That same area is being addressed in the sanitary sewer side of the study and staff recommendations Uh, the bulk of the homes in the Moreland Perrin area that got wet during the uh, 2017 event were from sanitary sewer backups and not necessarily from the overland flooding uh, recommended sanitary sewer activities in the moreland Perrin area include uh, footing drain removals, improvements to the Moreland pump station, increased conveyance capacity on Perrin Road, uh, and these activities will be explored further once the infiltration and inflow of the sanitary sewer system in that area has been addressed. And I think um, I've got some photos uh, of Councilman has submitted. We'll take a peek at those. I escape out of here. There's a way to find that. Yeah, I saw also it. The there it is. Well, it, it's not popping up the bottom part. Here, so tell me where. Move going. your mouse down.
5: It. What, what I did this weekend was go to the points along the uh, Inman Drain where it crossed uh, roads. So starting at, if you look up at Dublin, and then coming down to, um, I think the next point might have been Moreland, then Perrin, and then Saginaw Road. And so this just kind of gives you an idea for those of you who don't, uh, you know, travel in this area as much. Um, I'll just kind of quickly explain. This is obviously on Saginaw Road. Uh, off on the right is where the, uh, through that sort of wooded area is where uh, the Inman Drain crosses under Saginaw Road. You'll see Dow High just off to the left in the far left corner. And then this is just standing at the road, looking upstream at the Inman Drain as it's coming, you know, about to come underneath the road. And scroll down. That's the drain itself. Sorry about the picture, but it's uh, looking into the sun. So you can kind of see the type of culvert that was there. There's some brush, obviously, that's still in the in the creek bed there. Another picture of the same thing. And then this is, again, looking back upstream uh, to the Inman drain. You can see kind of how wooded it is and, and uh, some of the brush. And then here we're going at the point in time where the Inman drain crosses Perrin Road. Um, this is a place I know that was the water was definitely cresting the road, go ahead and continue to scroll down. So there's the, there's the culvert there, and the, the, actually the, the water was up over that culvert. It looks pretty clean though, so if you, if you scroll down, continue to scroll down, again, these are all looking upstream, coming, flowing underneath this culvert. Um, this is one of the houses that uh, during 2017 had about, uh, I think they said eight or nine feet of water in their, uh, in, their in their house. They, so basically came up, there's, you can't tell, but there's a pretty steep bank, it comes up, and then into their house. so because that water was backing up at the culvert, um, the water backed up into their house and I think there's several houses up the way. I see Mrs. Blazy here, her house included. So basically there's a whole stretch and this is I think Joe mentioned 12 houses, but it just kind of gives you a feel that right now it looks this little meandering uh, you know several inch deep uh, creek, but it, it gets quite flooded at times and does go into these folks' homes so um, Scroll down a little bit more. Uh, then here's Inman at Dublin. This is another place where I personally observed during the 2017 flood that the water is going across the cre- across the road. Um, then you scroll, as you scroll down it's again, looking upstream, you can see some of this, uh, the kind of the wooded area around it. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out, and, and and Joe, maybe you can comment. There was there's been some effort to since the flood mm-hmm. to clean this up. I think we had is it Parks and Rec staff that does it.
14: Uh, not, not this particular one. That yeah. was uh, Sturgeon Creek.
5: Yeah. So, so somebody has obviously come through and, and cut some of the, the brush out of the 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 uh, creek, which is which is what we want. I mean, you want it so that when we do get a heavy flood, you don't have stuff blocking it up. But you can see here at Dublin, which upstream of Dublin, I had, I don't think anybody had flooding in their basements. But you can see where that culvert there is actually still kind of crammed up right now. So hopefully that's on the list for some folks to to help clean up, even with this spring. So continue to scroll down. Yet um, again, now I think we're getting into right at Moreland. And you can see Moreland, uh, there's been some work done so it looks pretty nice and and wide and, and open there. Um, so what this is and then here, there's the culverts coming up, looks pretty nice and clear. So it, it, it varies depending on where you are on this this creek as far as how much you know, blockage there is or how much brush there is along the way. But since I know you all don't look at it, I I thought it might be helpful just to get a feel for when we talk about this, what we're talking about. And um, I'll let maybe Joe comment a little bit more about it. But is what what people were concerned about is, you know, is the culvert large enough? And I think I had asked, and I think you all had seen the the response to the question, the size of the culverts from upstream downstream. And it does progressively get larger and larger. whether it's large enough is something that probably has to be studied, but at least it, it seems on its to a layman going in the right direction. And then you just want to make sure that they're able to handle the capacity, that you don't have things, you know, clogging it up. And so one of, you know, for folks especially that were getting flooding from the creek, you want to make sure that, you know, we're doing what we can and that's why I wanted to make sure this was a priority, because there is, you know, you have sanitary, you have sanitary, you have storm sewer and you have the creek in this area. And and you know different all three are contributing and i think you know joe makes some good points but i just wanted to at least for benefit of council just to see this i don't really have any other uh, commentary on it but you can see kind of what it looks like okay.
14: thank you yeah those are nice pictures uh, do we have any questions for me okay. or
1: any questions for mr Silva?
14: So maybe maybe just
5: elaborate a little bit more joe on on the the 10 year level of service because that's and I know you're trying to emphasize that's still a priority for, for your staff, but, you know, when you have, still, when you have flooding along the houses, you know, and houses in this area, it, it doesn't seem like, it, it, it does comply with the 10-year level of service, but that's more from a layman's perspective as opposed to any sort of engineering standard or or anything like that.
14: Well, we, we seem to have uh, issues, and the, the folks that live along the drain, when we have, a major event: the '86, the '96, the 2014, uh, the 2017. Those are those are well above the 10-year event. Uh, all other times, this drain is is working properly. Now, if we applied those events across the, the city as we mm-hmm. as we had, um, there are a lot of areas that don't perform. Uh, they won't perform up to those levels because that's not what they're designed to perform to. We, there's not a lot of control. We have more control with the sanitary sewer system. Um, that is a, t- theoretically a closed system. Um, we do have I that, that makes it not a closed system. But we can get that more under control. We can control that. And, and, and as, as we remove the I, we will establish capacity in the sanitary sewer. The storm, because we are part of such a major watershed, um, we can't control how much and when that water is going to reach us. Now I think uh, in the report I had a, a map out there with over 30 drains or so that either flow uh, in Midland or through or or, or, the, or a river that throws through, thro- flows through. So uh, being able to address the Inman uh, specifically when we have these other major uh, drains and creeks, um, we need to address those before we address the the ones that that flow into them. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the concern for the folks who live in that in that area is they don't, you know,
5: they just don't want their houses flooded. I and, well, I and so, is there, you know, is it would it be appropriate to even look at maybe there's there's another standard, more stringent than the 10, 10 year level of service standard that could be applied here, and then that might provide a further filtering of what comes. You mean specifically from a priority just to the state
14: drain area, not across the board?
5: Well, obviously my questions are directed to State Drain, um, but you, would, you had mentioned that if we looked at the 2017 flood, you know, there'll be a lot of areas in the city. I, I don't. I think these these areas we're talking about along the Inman Drain uh, seem to flood even sooner than a lot of other areas. Um,
14: sooner and during it, the duration of an event. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe
5: not, not more even frequently. sooner, but even with with a less Signific- you know. Well, I'm not sure I can articulate it very well, but they seem more susceptible to, uh, to
14: housing. Susceptible is a good word. I mean, most of these properties are in the floodplain. Um, there is not a lot of, uh, of area. I mean, the homes are fairly close to the, to the edge of the channel. Uh, there's, no, there's no areas for spill or to, to retain water. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that creek rises, it is almost immediately getting into the yards of the homes along there. So it is susceptible. That was a good yeah. word. Councilman? So my
12: question is is there a way to you know, since we seem to be having an increase of, of rare flooding, is there a way to kinda of take a bite out of crime and just you know, keep it you know, keep it up so it doesn't get, you know, full of sticks and whatever could be, you know, causing it to dam up more just a preventative, and, and and whose responsibility would that be? Would it be the homeowners? Would it be the state? Whose responsibility well, specifically
14: in this area, mm-hmm. uh, property, owners.
12: property owners. And
14: in fact, uh, d- just this past week, uh, the Midland County Drain Commissioner has already embarked on a maintenance, uh, maintenance. program for this. He's not doing a, a full-blown channel right. cleaning, but he is. he's already started uh, to clear some of the banks and the debris from the channel uh, from Dublin to Saginaw. So he- because
12: yeah, certain sections de- definitely looked yeah. cleaner. Yeah, um, and, and
14: yeah, and
5: yeah. I mean, Some of these
14: actually you can see where, right. obviously somebody had
5: come through the chainsaw and, and yeah. taken, you know, mm-hmm. cut some of them off. But, and that's, and just to elaborate, what do you know? I mean, that's underway and will continue, or how well, much do you that, know about what they're doing?
14: Actually, staff, city staff, um, weren't aware of it until it, it started. Okay. Um, the homeowners in that area received a letter stating that they would be part of that. Um, but it's uh, there are now there are other folks outside of this drain that will also help pay for that. It's going to be allocated over a larger number, not just the people that abut to it. Okay. Um, you so.
12: explained that pretty well before, and, and how it when it, the creek meanders, it affects a lot of yes. things are affected. If, or <laughs>
14: A lot of folks utilize that drain, right. even though they're not attached or, or adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the is the culvert itself the city's
5: jurisdiction, or is that the Drain Commission? So where it goes under these roads, is that? I believe.
14: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I know that the uh, the one under Saginaw is the city's inspects that, so that would probably be us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the other ones, I'd have to I'd have to consult with uh, the city engineer on that okay. on on whether uh, the city would pony up all the money for that or if the county would, or, or if it would have to be even specially assessed. I'm not, I'm not sure about the culvert portion. Okay. I'll we'll have to get back with you on that. question.
5: Okay. I think especially with respect to, well, mm-hmm. Dublin <laughs> looks pretty small, but uh, you know, the, with respect to the one at, at Perrin, the culvert at Perrin and at Saginaw Road, even though they seem to be progressively larger you know, in the sequence, uh, they, those are also, seem to be, at least during a heavy flooding event, most incapable of handling the the water going through. And then that causes backup and and,
14: and sure. damage. So I just I would hope that we could look at that. Well the Chitterwassee River, when its elevation is up, does back up that whole area just south of Saginaw where the Sturgeon Creek passes through. Yeah. And then this drain passes through, that whole open area kind of becomes one. Right. And so it, it does I'm still talking upstream of that though. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, maybe
5: just summarize again, uh, the, if, although this is not going to be included in the priority one from a nomenclature perspective, what, what you would expect is going to be happening
14: in kind of a rough time frame for this area? For this particular area? Well, yeah. of course the, the drain commissioner is doing some cleaning right now, some maintenance okay. work. Um, we are doing a lot of I and I removal. Um, as I said, if, if some of these basements along the Inman Drain hadn't gotten wet from the drain, uh, they would have gotten wet from the sewer backup, And, and that, that was more of a, of a priority yes. uh, overall to the city. And I, and I think that was voiced uh, by City Council, that keeping sewage out of basements was more of a priority than overland, overland flooding, which we don't have as much control over. Agreed. But going forward, we're, we're, we're going to search out uh, I and I remove that, and then we're going to address the sanitary sewer uh, capacity issues.
12: I <laughs> thought I turned it off. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry.
14: Um, but that's o- over the next few years, and then uh, okay, and then we'll we'll address the infrastructure actual improvements of that. All right. It's done. All right. Thanks, Joe. All right. Any other questions?
1: Hey, any other questions for Mr. Silva? Okay. Any comments from the public? Um, I'm Pat Lazy and I uh, live on Stony Creek. We were just talking about, um, just a question about how am I paying for this? <laughs> I didn't realize I was being assessed for this for the cleanup is that a well I don't recall reading that in that letter
14: <laughs> uh, I don't know um, in this this particular area they they do properties do get specially assessed we did ask for the letter because we didn't we didn't know what was happening uh, so we did ask for the letter so we don't know exactly what that said in the letter We just uh, we just got a question on it and then we inquired and found out that, well, the drainage commissioner is uh, doing some work out there. So this,
5: just to clarify, this is from the county, not.
14: This is a, a
5: county-initiated initiative, not a city initiative. Although, that's, co- that's we're correct. Thankful that something's
14: being done. That, that's correct. That's correct. So I don't, I don't know exactly how this is being paid for. Um, we're still waiting to get some information on that.
8: So to follow up, mm-hmm. also, this please, you'd be able to follow up directly with the drain commissioner. It's under his authority that these this work okay. would be done. If it's being assessed, it would be under the authority of the drain commissioner, and you'd be able to reach out to I him did directly talk and to find him that once,
1: out. And he mentioned they were going to come around and clean, and I did see some yeah. men roaming around last week.
8: but You might um, want to give him a call <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and see what I you can find so. from him. We'll, okay. we'll certainly be looking into it too. But.
1: Okay, thank you. Okay, hey, any other comments from the public? All right, Selena, would you please read the resolution?
2: This resolution receives and files the follow-up report on the Inman State Drain Exclusion from the 2018 Storm and Sanitary Sewer Study.
1: We have a motion to accept the resolution.
12: So move.
5: Second.
1: First, second. Any discussion?
5: I think, from my perspective, the important—I mean, I, obviously, you'd like to have this area in, in the priority one, um, but uh taking based on what Mr. Silva said that it's still going to get the attention. it looks like it is getting some attention right now. Uh, and you can see from the pictures, it looks like some of it has been cleaned up and that's not, that's good. Uh, obviously as, as he re- said as well, the the key is you know sewer mm-hmm. backup. We, we want to and steps are being taken to to improve that. so um, you know, Hopefully they'll look at the culverts somewhere along the way in terms of sizing because it just seems, I think, from the perspective of the people who did get the water backing up, that was kind of one of the primary impediments that caused some of their problems.
12: I just want to add that you know, the maintenance would perhaps help with the, even yeah. though it's not the the sewer backup, it would help with with a greater flood.
5: Yeah. I think the other, if you saw from the pictures, and, and I heard these from some comments of some of the people who live along there, that although they're cutting some of the things, they probably, some folks have taken it upon themselves to move the wood back up in their yard and use it for firewood or whatever, but not just leave it on the banks, because if we get a big flood, it'll just push back into the culvert. So hopefully they'll, somebody will be cleaning that up as well to keep the, the, the impediments out of the way.
1: Any other discussion? All right, then ready to vote? Um, All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. All right, that takes us down now to item number 12, which has to do with our budget objectives. And Mr. K is moving over to the podium to lead us in this discussion.
8: Thank you, Madam Mayor, members of council. So I don't get a whole lot of opportunity to speak from over here on this floor any longer. Okay. So this is one of the, the annual reports, however, that we do. Um, as all five of you are aware, this uh, just two days ago, as a matter of fact, on Saturday, we held our annual city council retreat. Um, we go through a number of different uh, discussions. And really, however, the ultimate goal of this is to come out with budget directives moving forward for the, uh, for the next year this is just a quick summary and i don't intend to go through all of these but these are the different topics that we did happen to cover on saturday um covering a number of different issues everywhere from business concerns to operational matters uh to a, a report actually on the storm and sanitary sewer update that we just mentioned towards the end of the day however we got uh in today's projections Dave the right Dave, I'll talk to Mr. Keenan. Um, his budget projections come looking ahead to the 2019 and 20 budget year. And then ultimately towards the end of the day, what you as fi- the five members of council was to, was your action was to determine the directives that you give to us as staff as we move forward with budget preparations. Tonight, our purpose is to formalize those and make sure that uh, we all agree with what you said and we understand what you said. Um, to give you some background, however, um, in general, uh, as you heard from Mr. Youngstrom tonight, um, we continue to see costs uh, increasing. It's in- incremental cro- costs. It's not huge, uh, but they are continuing to increase at a rate that is faster than the revenue that the city is generating. And As such, there's a gap between the new revenue and our net expenses. It continues to grow. You've heard us say this before. As a matter of fact, I didn't even change, I don't think, this slide from my presentation last year uh, to say that we continue to use the strategy of employing the difference uh, between what we can save versus what we spend, but it's no longer uh, as effective a method as it has been in the past and it continues to become more difficult for uh, the finance team and certainly you as City Council when we present you with the budgets each year um, we have been blessed, as you heard, uh, with some additional reimbursement from the personal property tax uh, that comes to us from the state, and that's been very helpful to us. We've used it for the last couple of years in particular to balance our budgets, um, but it is still, we at least are looking at it simply as a short-term solution because, again, as priorities change at the state level, as they their look at the budgets and the funding that comes from that source uh, might change over time, it could very significantly affect what we receive from the state. Um, On a a good news side of things, our health insurance costs for the the projected year at least uh, are anticipated to be flat and stable, and as such, we're not seeing big increases in that area of costs. Negatively, however, uh, even though we're seeing some growth, we're seeing some development within the city, uh, at the same time we are losing some development and some buildings are coming down and as such our actual taxable value is pretty flat and as such we're not generating more revenue uh, from the taxable value of our property. So again, from a revenue point of view, uh, that's a pretty, pretty flat uh, revenue source. Um, We have, and this is simply stating so that we all agree with this one, uh, hopefully that they're having and maintaining an adequate fund balance is an important objective of the city so that in the event of unforeseen circumstances or significant costs uh, that we had not otherwise anticipated, we have the ability to respond to that uh, without significant impact on the city and the operations of the city itself. And then again, you heard from uh, Mr. Youngstrom some of the concerns and challenges that we have relative to our legacy costs. So the pension unfunded liabilities, the OPEB uh, costs as well. We're making progress on those. We've been diligent. Um, And as you see, as we get into these again, you are continuing and reaffirming your commitment uh, to moving progressively towards uh, addressing those as we move forward. Um, We always talk each year about this in terms of the mission of the city, and we don't need to read it word for word, but really what it is is we try to provide the best life that we can for the city uh, residents by doing and and effectively utilizing the resources that they entrust to us. As we do so, we have three primary goals, looking at the sustainability from an economic perspective of the city. Uh, We look to see the quality of life that we establish and try to make that as outstanding as we possibly can. Um, And importantly, we do all of that by being effective stewards of the resources that we are entrusted. So, with those goals in mind is really how we go about setting the council budget directives, the recommendations that we made to you and staff, and subsequently the decisions that you made and provided back to us. So with all of that said, these, uh, this is the staff summary, and hopefully it captures what you, you gave us on Saturday as far as the directives that you have established for the coming budget year and moving into the nineteen twenty 20 fiscal year. Uh, First, we spoke to the level of service that we would like to see for our residents, and once again, we confirmed that we would like to see um, the public services maintained um, at the highest level financially feasible under the current economic and budget conditions. This, again, is recognizing the fact that we'd like to maintain them at a very high level, but on the other side, and the flip side of that, we were cognizant of the fact that there are challenges in doing so, and this statement is intended to capture that. We specifically, from a SAP perspective, recommended that we start moving towards the implementation of that uh, the storm and sanitary sewer, particularly the storm sewer uh, recommendations. We know that there are going to be significant costs and impacts on the city budgets over time. However, in the coming year, this is the start, really, the first quarter of a million dollars, if you will, that is in addition to the funding that's already normally in the budget, that this will allow for at least some of the uh, deficiencies as we identify these to be addressed moving forward. This is fully cognizant, the recommendation that came from us and I think that you came back to us with was that there's going to be certainly more of this coming in the future, but this at least gives us a start and moves us in that particular direction. Um, Staff recommendation actually on unfunded liabilities was a a quarter million dollars additional contribution towards that as well Following the discussion the direction that you returned to us was to actually increase that to a half a million dollars So this will be a more aggressive approach um, Recognizing that this is an obligation an ongoing obligation of the city again You heard a lot of discussion from mr. Youngstrom about this particular matter Um, The progress that we have been making this will continue moving towards uh, addressing those unfunded liabilities that are on our records and on our books at this time Um, This is kind of a wordy one, but basically you'll recall that the excess personal property tax reimbursement that we had before was put into a budget stabilization reserve fund. Um, You have given us, uh, and we asked for, and you gave us, uh, through the directive on Saturday at least, the authority to go into that reserve fund, use it to to essentially balance the budget, but with the understanding that when we get the reimbursement from the state, which this year will not be until May the 20th, which happens to be the same date that you have to give final approval to our budget, um, that we will, in fact, reimburse this fund. Um, So the the numbers that we had talked about are in the range of about $1.6 million coming out of that fund being utilized, but then being immediately reimbursed. Making the assumption, uh, which we hope is a valid one, that we will get at least 1.6 million dollars back from the state at that point in time. If we get more than the 1.6 million dollars, or whatever we take out of that reserve fund, uh, the direction from you as council was that we actually make number one make whole the, f- the fund itself, but then we number two apply that back again once more against the unfunded liability. So again, this demonstrates, uh, as council, your your commitment your Uh, aggressiveness, if you will, towards addressing these matters and getting that liability at least reduced on the books to the extent that we're able to do so. And then we address the issue of millage rate. Um, in, in particular, as again, you've heard in front of uh, in this board, you've heard presentations before that from a state perspective the goal that they would like to see us at and the directive that they have provided to us is a minimum 60 percent funded status. Otherwise, we essentially go on a target list or, or a, a watch list, if you will, um, in terms of having to have some type of a corrective action plan in place as to how we are going to move towards a minimum of 60 percent funded status. Um, the permission and the discussion actually centered very largely around this point on Saturday and a lot of what we talked about was let's try to get and reach and stretch to get to that 60% status and at least get off the state's watch list, if nothing else, but for more importantly, let's move towards uh, more funded status. And the authority that you gave us was to look at a 0.25 mil increase if necessary for that purpose, but also with the understanding that we don't know yet what, uh, what it will take to get to the 60% status. So as of this morning, uh, the finance team, I believe, reached out to MERS uh, to try to get some of that information back. And so as soon as we have that, um, Mr. Keenan and his team are going to be doing an essential evaluation saying, is that with these types of numbers and with that type of millage increase an achievable uh, objective or not? If it is, that's great. We can move forward with it. If it ultimately is not, then at that point in time, we would come back to you, advise you of that, and we'll have a further discussion if we need to at that point in time. And then this is more of a, a It's sort of an ongoing, softly, um, activity that's taking place at the City right now. You'll recall the last couple of years we've had objectives about engaging the public, getting feedback from them. Uh, This last year we hired consultants. uh, We went through a bit of a process on that and although we weren't thoroughly satisfied with the final results and the input that we received, it it did give us some direction to move forward with. Um, Internally, we have since been taking those results and we're starting to look at, on a department-by-department basis, how we operate, what we do, the structure and the organizations that we have, uh, to see if we are as efficient and effective as we can be, or if perhaps we need to look at some other, whether it be a best practice or whether it simply be an alternate service delivery model. Um, And this uh, this goal that you have established here essentially uh, formalizes that, and it puts it out a little bit more publicly than we have done in the past. Um, at least over the past year or so as we move forward with this. But it also indicates your uh, serious attention to this issue and making sure, quite frankly, that at a staff level we do what we should be doing and that's making sure that we use, again, those resources in terms of money, staffing and so forth effectively and uh, efficiently. So this is the kind of summary. This is basically what we presented to you initially is in the top table. You can see little adjustments that took place in the operating Uh, Budget itself, um, so there's just under a a tenth of a mil uh, increase because of the ongoing escalating incremental costs. With the Public Safety Pension Fund, we were able to save most of that back. Um, And then a little bit of a difference in the voter-approved debt issue, which basically balanced us out. And and we can get to that level, at least that's our assumption that we'll be able to get to that level. But it didn't target the 60% uh, MERS-funded level that Council gave us direction on. So the line at the bottom, as you see there, in addition to all of that, provides for the quarter of a mil increase, if necessary, and if it gets us to that 60% level um, at this point in time. It also so so. Those are the major directives. Those are the ones that are set out in the staff report that uh, was presented to you today. Um, in addition, I just wanted to reiterate, however, these are other activities that are being intended, and staff will be following through on the uh, the other post-employment benefits. Our annual requir- required contribution, excuse me, we will continue to pay that at one hundred percent. The, uh, the ARC on the Act 345, which police and fire, will continue to pay at 100% as well. And then the MERS, we were actually already bar- uh, budgeted at 100% plus extra funds, which totaled $6.5 million. So significant funds uh, going into that uh, will again continue. Um, DART, the Grace A. Dow Memorial Library, the Curry Golf Course, and the Civic Arena will continue to be provided and funded um, out of the general fund. And our main goal, or one of our main goals at least, is to continue to protect some millage headroom um, so that we have some flexibility. As things change in our city, we're, we're going to see some significant activities that we don't know what the ultimate impact will be on us in combination with what's taking place at the state level and may have an effect as well. So presented to you, Madam Mayor, is a, a staff report that summarizes uh, what I've just presented to you. Hopefully that captures what you told us on Saturday. Um, and if so, we would look for a motion to receive and file it and those that will be the direction and marching orders for us As we prepare the budget and bring it
0: back to you.
1: Okay. Any questions or comments?
0: Recaptured it okay. very well mm-hmm. Yep,
8: we tried yeah, to listen <laughs>
10: <laughs> You know,
0: but I also want to commend everybody too. if we listen to what the auditors said, you know over two years You know, we've increased seven point five percent for employee retirement for police and fire, and then um, general retiree health care up 8% over the the last two years. You know, that's not insignificant when you look at the millions of dollars that we're putting aside. So I'd say a lot has changed for the good, and I think we need to continue to be um, thoughtful and how we move forward and not make hasty decisions because we have a lot of other commitments we've made. And one of the points we keep hearing is the gap between our revenue and expenses is continuing to grow. So we're going to have to balance it.
1: And let me just add on that. I think the other point he specifically said is what are you in the business of? And you are in the business of services. So okay. I, I was pleased to hear that, he, um, you know, that they feel that we are, I mean, we're serious about mm-hmm those unfunded light, we're serious about that. Yeah. But we also have a responsibility to the community too for the services that we provide. So we need to, as you just said, I think balance that. So um, any other comments as it relates to the, uh, the capture of that? I I just wanted to say, you know, I
12: appreciated the, the input everyone had at the meeting. It was well thought out, very thorough. And every angle was looked at to take into consideration um, as the last resort to increase a mill. Mm-hmm. It's would, hard to do without the numbers, all the numbers. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and I would also like to appreciate the support of the other councilmen for providing us additional funding for for the pensions. That's something for me is I think it's very important to the city and um, you know we've got a long way to get to a hundred percent but you know taking steps, taking actions uh, along the way is important to not have to have one giant leap somewhere down the road that could potentially put the city in jeopardy. So I thank them for uh, their cooperation and support of that as well.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Is there any comments from the public? All right, Selena, would you please read the resolution?
2: This resolution approves the city council budget, budget objectives for fiscal year 2019, 2020.
1: We have a motion to accept the resolution. So moved. Second. Any further discussion on this? All right then, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. And that takes us down to new business. Mr. K, do you have any new business? Um, I do not. Okay, does anyone on council have any new business?
0: I do. Okay. Um, On November 16th, 2018, the Michigan Municipal League Board of Trustees reviewed nominations for League Awards. And one of the awards, the Community Builder Award, um, which honors individuals whose leadership creates positive community change. And throughout efforts, such as encouraging civic engagement, supporting up and coming leaders, fostering good working relationships, thinking strategically, they make their community a place where people truly love to live and work. This year's recipient um, by a unanimous vote is from the city of Midland. And it gives me great pleasure to share with you that Mayor Maureen Donker is the recipient of the Michigan Municipal League's Community Builder Awards. And just want to congratulate you and proud of you and well-deserved. Well,
1: thank you, that's that's very kind. I'm very um, honored and, you know, I'm very honored and. In- surprised by um, the honor. So that's really very nice. But I just have to say that at the end of the day, no matter what you accomplish, somebody else helped you. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, a lot of people work to make that happen. So I'm pleased that it, it is the city that is really, you know, I think, getting this award. So thank you very yeah. much. It's very nice. And
0: congratulations.
1: Thanks. Okay, any other <laughs> Any other business, any other new business? Our next meeting is uh, January 28th. Um, I will not be here for that meeting. And Mr. Wesbisky will be in charge. And yeah,
8: Everybody get ready for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It'll be good. So can we have a, a motion to adjourn?
0: So moved. We'll so second. second. All right, all in favor, please say aye. Aye.
1: aye. Opposed? All right, we're adjourned.
0: This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland.